your Bible this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and stand with me if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Fourth in our series on the things to come, our study of not only the timeline of prophecy, uh, we spoke on the first week about the things that have happened, the things that may happen, the things that will happen. We spoke on the second week as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, so also shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. And last week I took from the Apostle Paul his statement, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And that's where we are as Christians. We're not sure of all that's going to happen. But Paul said, but none of these things move me because I'm secure, I'm grounded, my roots go down, my anchor's within the veil. And this morning I want to talk to you about Perilous times and the symptoms of the people. And don't ever take messages like this and let them discourage you regardless of the thematics of it. It ought to encourage you because the God that wrote it thousands of years ago, it's right on schedule. Just like how it's supposed to be. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also, Paul writing Timothy, that in the last days perilous times shall come. He was speaking about that present day. As well as the last days. You know, God is layered. He, he layers truth that's applicable where they were in the days to come. People will be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, what? Turn away. Well, the Lord is the friend of sinners. From such, turn away. It's not that you sit in judgment and judge their heart. It's that me and you are walking in two different directions. And how can two walk together? Except they agree. For this sort, these people creep into houses and lead lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Johnny's and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, which means entirely spoiled, depraved, reprobate, which means unapproved, rejected, worthless, concerning the faith... But there will come a time when they proceed no further. Their folly will be manifest unto all people. But you have fully known my doctrine, Timothy, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, charity and patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. And I endured them all, and the Lord delivered me from them all. And all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All. It's not all that name the name of Christ. If you live godly in an ungodly environment, you will suffer persecution. And evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. And from a child, Timothy, you knew the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine to beliefs, a belief system, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the people of God, the man of God, the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You may be seated this morning, and the blessing of God's on the reading of His Word. 
times are perilous, obviously, socially, spiritually, geopolitically, nationally, economically. But when Paul's writing Timothy, he's writing to Timothy about the church. In the last days, what we see in the world, we'll see in the church. And by that, I mean people that name the name of Christ. And all of those horrible things that I'll allude to in a a moment, those expressions of our carnality, all of them flow from one sewer pipe, love of self. You'll hear false prophets and false preachers say, well, you have to love yourself because God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't love yourself, then how will you know how to love your neighbor? And the person that loves themselves goes, yes. No, that's not the correct scripture. It says, as you would do for others, as you would take care of yourself, take care of others. We are never, nowhere commanded to love ourselves. We are commanded to deny ourselves and to be wary of ourselves because our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. But what has crept into the church in my lifetime is the removal of the centralization of the message being about Jesus to being now focused upon the person. Not what does God expect from me, but what does God want from me? Not what can I give the Lord? How can I lay my life down as a reasonable sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him? Not what can I give the Lord, but what can God give me? Now, it's true. With every error, the most cynical error, uh, uh, um, evil error, is it takes a little bit of truth. Yes, God wants to bless me. Yes, and God wants to take care of me. But that's the byproduct of the Christian life. It's never the goal of the Christian life. We look for his face. We look for his person. We look for his presence. A lover looks at the face. A beggar looks at the hand. We're not beggars. We are children of the most high God. We know that he's going to take care of us. But self-love is the sewer pipe. And all of these other things flow from it. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Self-centered. They think of themselves first. Knee-jerk reaction. First. They're first. Not, have you noticed every Sunday when we pray over our giving, I say the same thing? Lord, you first. Before the government takes their portion. You don't even get to offer it. They just take theirs. And before we give to our wife and our husband and our children, depending on who's the one bringing in resources, before, before I feed my babies, you first, Lord. But the world thinks of self first. They'll be lovers of themselves. In this world, we should worship God, love people, and use things. But if we love ourselves... We will worship ourselves, ignore God, start loving things and using people. The love of self is the core evil from which every expression flows. I am not to hate myself and be self-deprecating because I'm made in the image of God, but it is supposed to be God, family, others, us. And I'm not calling names, but turn on any Christian channel you want to turn on and they say you and they blend in verses about God. I am not the focus and center of the world. Self-centered people are the most miserable people in the world. They're poisoned. 
And I read this not too long ago in a major publication. This person isn't even a Christian. And they said, what would you do? They were interviewing this psychologist. And they said, what would you do if someone had attempted to take their life multiple times and they were five minutes away from killing themselves? They came in with a pistol and said, if you cannot help me, I am going outside and I'm blowing my brains out. What would you tell them to do? And they said, now this isn't even a Christian. Oh, that's easy. Go find someone that needs something and meet that need. Get your eyes off of you and pour into other people. So very quickly, listen to this. The 17 things, covetousness, greed for money, greedy of what others have. I love myself, that's why I want to have what you have. I love myself, that's why I want to have more. Was it wrong to desire more? It's wrong to focus on more. They're boastful. You know what that is. Self-congratulatory, self-promoters. And this is just me. You can get mad if you want to. At this point in time, the Lord's right about to come. It don't even bother me no more. Uh, Sports has changed in my lifetime. They used to say, when you cross the end zone, act like you've been there before. But now, it's okay to spike a ball, whatever. We turn to the closest camera. This man's getting paid $62 million and he tackled a guy, one guy, and stands up. That's your job. What are you doing? You don't see you go into Geico and clock in and go, whoa. I clocked in up in here. Strap on my headset. Watch this. Thank you for calling Geico. Your call is very important to us. Could you hold, please? Or whoever you call, if you call for customer service. If you call to buy something, oh, you get a person. You get cheery, happy, English. You get all of the above. (laughs) You call to make a complaint or customer service. I did the other night and went through a 20-minute loop only to tell me, our offices are closed. Well, of course they're closed. I've been on the phone waiting on you. Okay, so. That ain't got nothing to do with sermon. Sorry. <laughs> Boastful. Oh, they boast in the church too. I want my picture on the brochure. I want my picture biggest. For me to come to your church, this is what you have to do for me. This is the hotel I'll stay in. I want this in my room. Why? It's boastful. It's, it's braggadocious. Paul, by the way, who wrote most of the New Testament, said, I am the least of all saints and the chief of sinners. But in the church, they'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers, evil speakers, profane, disobedient to parents, rebellious, undutiful, unthankful. Oh, my God. Ungrateful, lacking in appreciation. You see the entitlement mentality in in much, not all, much of the government programs. We have it as Christians. This, this lack of all that we have. Saying, I ain't, I ain't got nothing. I ain't never going to have nothing. Driving up in an SUV. Where if you make more than, what is it? They said uh, $8 an hour, $6 an hour. You're richer than 98% of the people in the world. In the church. How wonderful it is when you come together and you don't have to wait on Ben to hit a key. You stand up and go, God, thank you for everything I have. Thank you for my home, my, my wife, my baby's grateful. And he's telling us in the last day, people aren't going to talk about what they have. They're going to talk about what they don't have. I don't, some people, I don't even ask you how you're doing no more. I can't take it. 
I mean, we all got, tr- all God's children got problems. But if you ask me, how are you doing? Well, I go, oh, Lord, I can feel it. <laughs> Let me get a glass of water with it. Oh. Unholy, which means without divine character, devoid of purity, without natural affection for their children, for their wives, for their husbands, for other people. Truce breakers, lie, break a covenant with their spouse. We, we have irreconcilable differences. Show me one couple that doesn't. I'm, I'm being serious. Make, make a covenant with someone, borrow money, and then you can have it back. Breaking a covenant. Break. Christians do it all the time. And this, this is hard when you try to keep covenants and you see other people break them. But it happens and they justify it. It's getting quieter. The longer I go down the list, the, we were laughing early and now we just... False accusers, people that spread gossip. Incontinent means without self-control. Look, without self-control. I asked the Lord to help me. So it's on him. You, 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 you still have your little habit? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling with it. You know what that means? It means I'm still doing it. He said in the last days, people will throw off on God their unwillingness to deny their self. It ain't easy to quit smoking or quit drinking or quit cussing. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody do it. It's not easy to lose weight. That's, why, do you think, why do you think they sell those programs at 2 o'clock in the morning? When you're tired and weak, would you like to lose 30 pounds in three days? Yes. But they make excuse. Without self-control, I want it, I'm going to have it. And I'm not going to change my behavior because I asked the Lord to help me. And you confused God's power. You thought that if God gave you power to quit something, that it wouldn't hurt. And because you love yourself, you're not going to hurt. Quit smoking. You will go to Sam's and buy 10-pound bags of peppermints. I'm waiting on the Lord. Oh, he's already empowered you. But to break out of the gravitational pull of old habits, you are going to hurt. Stop telling people off. Get under control. You are going to hurt. You're going to go into your car, roll the windows up, and scream. Hurt. I'm going somewhere, y'all. Bear with me. Fierce, which means savage. They will stop at nothing. People that love themselves will stop at nothing to get what they want. Whether it's your spouse, that job, you hear me, that child, if their desire is strong enough, they'll abuse that child or sexually misuse that child. If they want freedom enough, they'll kill that baby in their womb and surround themselves with other Christians. It says, the Lord understands. From the love of self makes savage people, fierce people. They will have their way because at the throne of their heart, they are God. And don't you dare buck God. And in the church, he said, they'll despise those that are good. Hostility towards virtue and virtuous people. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. What's sad about this is these traits are common today in churches. They're ignored. Because if you preach on it, people leave. You know what preachers talk about? And if they leave, they take their money with them. 
So many of them don't talk about it. And you know what I found? First of all, he never told me to raise money or keep money. Secondly, usually if someone's living like hell, they're not giving to the Lord anyway. And you want to find a gathering where they'll just wink at you as long as you come and you're happy with them, you can find one on just about every corner. And I don't think we're all of that, all of this in a bucket of chicken. I don't think we're the best of the best. But we, as a body of believers, we have enthroned Jesus Christ as the Lord in our lives. And we do not decide, we do not remove him from the throne and 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 justify our behavior that's contrary to scripture see it gets worse and worse but we can be better we have the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead that quickens us sin shall not have dominion over us it shall not you'll hear people say well we sin we sin every day and we sin often Yes, but not in the context you're talking about. Many people cloak that as a, well, God better get over it because all of us sin. No, we sin, we sin often, but we sin because we choose to, not because the force is so great that we cannot. Light shines its brightest against the darkest backdrops. And in this last day, we can stand different Separate, separate from the world, consecrated unto God with our behavior showing the difference in our lives. What we will not allow ourselves to do. It's not just what we do, it's what we will not allow ourselves to do. Tell your flesh no and see how that goes over. If you're gluttonous, tell yourself no. You will not eat at a buffet in 2016. Is there something else we can do to get closer to Jesus? Fast for a week. Just one, one week. Seven days. And I don't mean all these new modern fasts where you can eat bird seed and just salad. I'm on a cookie fast. That's all I mean. <laughs> Famous Amos cookies. I'm on an ice cream fast. Because it's not really food. It melts and it just, if it's liquid. It's... No, fast. No food for seven days. And your flesh will introduce you to its deity. You will dream of food. You will smell food on people. I can promise you, I have literally in a week long fast, you know, I've done a couple weeks at a time and I was pulling bugs off me at night, you know, just thinking I was so hungry. I was hungry. I remember walking by a lady at a, at a, some, mall outdoor shop something this is a true story walked right by me and I said you ate barbecue didn't you and see that's why Kelly she'll just go oh god oh god you you can smell your your senses but what I'm telling you is when you deny yourself you're different than anybody else in the room when you're able to tell yourself no I will not say that watch this no I will not listen to you say that about them No, I will not be part of slander. No, I will not be part of bigotry. I will not be part of racism. I will not be part of those that stick their head in the the sand and are silent. I had a sister tell me the other week and it just thrilled my soul. She said, it's one thing to hear them uh, 
boast about sin and the unbelievers and, and all this. But then one of them blasphemed my Lord. And, and Lord, you know I'm just repeating the story. And I know it's horrible. They said, Christ himself was a homosexual. And she said, I stood. And I told him, I said, you don't even know him. Not my Lord. Not my Lord. And see, we're not, we're not going to change the culture. Don't listen to this. We're, oh, I, the prophecies in this last day revival is going to sweep the world. That ain't what the book says. And I'm for it. God, save everybody. Bring revival. That ain't what it said. It says gross darkness is going to cover the earth. And gross darkness is going to cover the people. But God's people will rise and shine. And the glory of the Lord will be seen on them. On them. In our choices. These carnal traits are popular, they're common, they're accepted, and they're even celebrated. Even celebrated. Ordaining men whose lifestyle, not, we're all failures. God, if I had to resign every time I failed, I stay, wouldn't stay employed long. But when you stand up and say, my failure and my sin is no sin and God is for me. And you lay hands on that man and bless him in the name of the Lord. It's blasphemy. This is what's going to be in the last day. The church will be filled with all these expressions. So I'm going to sum up point number one and only got three, by the way. I'm going to sum it all up with this. Trace any expression back to self-love. If I love you, I would never lie to you. Thou shalt not lie. If I love you, I would never bear false witness against you. But if I love me and it benefits me, I'll bear false witness to you. If I love God, I'd never take his name in vain. If I loved you, I would never steal from you. Self-love is the sewer pipe from which every expression flows. Okay, number two, the times are perilous because of the rise of self-exaltation. Self-exaltation. says in verse 13, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, which means deceiving means to wander out of the way and cause others to do the same. I know, especially if you're just visiting with us, you may think, oh, this guy's got an edge or some chip on his shoulder. I'm not. I'm telling you, we're in the last, last ticking of the clock and the deception in the last three or four years in the church is more than I've seen in my entire Christian faith. We are, we're so deluded and deceived that right is wrong. Evil is good and, and God doesn't care and God's going to wink at sin when God tells us he spared not the angels which sinned but cast them down from their first estate and they reserved under chains of darkness. He spared not Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed the whole place. He spared not the world by destroying it with water, but he's going to gloss over my sin. Self-deception follows self-love because to love myself and have a conscience I can't have. Because if I love myself, my conscience will be pricked and convicted. And people say, well, the Lord's not convicted me of that. Oh, yes, he has. You just ignored it so long that you don't feel it no more. How can you say that? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of righteousness, of a right standing with the Lord. Self, I'm sorry, I went to deception. I meant self-exaltation. Let me go to number two. Self-exaltation, where they are the primary focus. They hold the preeminent position. 
and they expect to be the preferred person. Are you the primary focus of your life? Do you hold the preeminent position? Do you expect to be the preferred person? They view themselves, excuse me, as the present exception and the final authority. This is how you know if you love yourself. When you will not deny yourself and you have the final say. You have the final say at home. You have the final say with your friends. You, or you feel this You usually allow yourself the luxury of having the final say at work, but you always have the final say with God. And here's what Christians will say. I know what God's word says about this, but that right there shows you that you love the Lord, but you'll let him sit on the throne when you choose to. Let me give you an example. Love your enemies. Bless them that do good to you. Or bless them that curse you. Do good to those that despitefully use you. If I'm on the throne, I'm thinking, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to celebrate when I hear bad happen to them. I'm going to tell other people of their wicked ways so they'll know what they did to me. But if God's on the throne and he said, love them, and you love them. Self-exaltation really is nothing more than God letting you see through your choices who's the Lord of your life. Who's the Lord of your life? These people must be seen. They must be heard. They must be recognized. And they must be approved. They expect to be deferred to and to have the last say, as I told you. They demand not only that they are right, but that you say that they are right as well. They're most frequently first in line and the last to serve. The most predominant feature is that in their life, they are the final authority. They jockey for position, jockey for notoriety. They cook something for, uh, you know, the youth cake sale and then nobody thanks them and they're falling out with the church. Something simple and stupid. God don't care about the cake. It wasn't no good anyway. They don't care about that. But what is it? It's an, it's an opportunity. Is anybody else but me? Life has a way of introducing you to yourself. You realize I wanted to be appreciated. As a pastor, when I started the church, I'd thank somebody. Say, hey, thank you, Diane, for bringing the cake. And thank you, uh, Lisa, for bringing the cake. And then Rachel, you hear Rachel mad with me. He thanked them too, and I'm sitting right beside him. I know he saw me. Now, the issue of the cake is nothing. The issue of me saying anything isn't nothing. But that self is a spirit that says, I will be seen. I will be recognized. I will be exalted. I will be appreciated. I will be preeminent. And even if it comes up in little blurbs, God said in the church, you'll see it. And we have to address it when we see it. And you know what's the best way to kill that self-exaltation? Do something for someone that cannot pay you back. Do your deeds silently. Give. People that love money, you know how you break that spirit? Give it away. I remember the first time I gave somebody $100, I thought I was going to die. Die. I was like, oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, I want you to have it. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm. But when you do it, it loses its hold on you. 
And when you deny self, it's going to scream and it's going to scream. And when you take the low position, Jesus taught us greatness kneels. And he said, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you'll know later. And he girded himself with a towel and he took the form of a servant and he humbled himself, although he was God. Oh, oh, although he was high as he thought he was, he took upon himself, he aborted self-exaltation and humbled himself and became in the form of a servant because of that. God hath now highly exalted him. Exaltation does not come by self-promotion. Promotion Promotion does not come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. From the Lord. But in the church, you'll see people that want their name. I have listened to preachers argue about whose name was bigger on the brochure for the, you know... uh, like Pastor Quan and them have an event coming up and they'll argue about why ain't I in the top left-hand corner? You know, most people's eyes go first to the top left-hand corner. I'm going, man, what, what's wrong with you? I'm, I'm putting lightning bolts up, Lord. When you kill him, don't kill me. I ain't part of that. Not part of that. Self-love, self-exaltation, and then finally self-deception. It said they'll get worse and worse. Being deceived and deceiving others. You know what that means? To wander out of the way and cause others to do the same. This is what I, the, the gist of what I want to share with you today. All in the local church. There's some in our local church. Not much that I know of, but there's some. Not only are there people turning out of the way, they're asking other people to turn with them. Turning away from the simplicity that's found in Jesus and adding new doctrines and new beliefs, undermining the gospel, telling them, oh, that's okay, that's no big deal, and you were convicted of it before. And even if Scripture doesn't mention it, if it's not of faith to you, it's sin. If you can't do it with a clear conscience, and these people get worse and worse, and the only way they can stay in a church, the only way they can stay in a church with a guilty conscience is to have somebody else come alongside them doing this with them, which eases their conscience because we have this idea that numbers proves rightness. And when has the majority vote ever chose good? We are not people of the crowd. We are people of the Christ. And we are different. But these people deceived worse and worse, deceiving others. Godliness is not an issue of knowledge alone, but behavior as well. Look in your Bible, 2 Timothy 3, 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That word denying means contradicting the power thereof. Self-deception. Having a form, an appearance, a language. They sing Christian songs. They stand in worship. You'll see them express themselves, but their life contradicts their song. Their life contradicts their profession. And God's telling Timothy, be on the lookout for this. A form of godliness, which means at a distance, if you listen to them talk and they sprinkled in the word Jesus or a verse or something, you go, oh, they're Christians. But their life contradicts it. Fruit trees grow according to the root. Pecan trees go pecans. Apple trees grow apples. Christians produce godly fruit. 
don't judge me. It's just falling off your limb. I'm not judging you. I stepped on one of those rotten things. I'm not judging you. Let me tell you about truth. Truth doesn't mind you putting a Q-beam light on it, spinning it around, turning it over and inspecting it. Truth is truth. He said, now from these people, from such, turn away. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They live contradictory to God's teaching. Listen to this in 1 John 1. This is the message we heard of God, and we declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If you say that you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, that does not mean you stumble in darkness. You walk in darkness. If you say that you walk with God and walk in darkness, you are a liar and do not know the truth. We are liars. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that the thing we were just talking about, walking in darkness is not sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if we say that that thing that we did that was sin is not sin, the Bible tells us that we make God a liar and his word is not in us. All right, I'm go where angels fear to tread. Let me tell you what's hard now as a pastor. Almost without fail, when something comes to my attention and somebody's shacked up with somebody or somebody that's teaching uh, one of our kids or teaching in the group or somebody's doing something and I have to address it as a leader, I do it in humility and meekness. I wish you could see the responses. I wish you could see them. And I'm not talking about, I don't even know who's here. So do you know as a pastor with me hearing stuff all the time, if I only talk about Oh, I can't talk about this because I talked to this person two weeks ago. I couldn't say nothing. So I'm not talking about an individual. But I'll have them get mad and curse me, which is evidence of, you know, I'm sitting here. If I could just, if you just let, go ahead. Just cuss me out. Tell me when you're done. I have them uh, lie like a rug. (laughs) Just lie. So you're not living with them. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And... You've got witnesses coming all the time. They're shacked up. They usually are quiet and angry. Oh, the vein come up on their head, you know. And I said, I didn't mean to make you mad. I'm just, I'm your shepherd. And I love you enough to ask you about this. And almost without fail, do you know what happens? The Lord leads them somewhere else. It's a mystery. It's just a mystery. The Lord is leading me this way. Because if you tell them you can't walk in perpetual sin and walk with the Lord, they'll find somebody else that tell them you can. And the Bible says, now I'm going to talk about me. Over the years since I was saved as a young boy, the times that I have lusted and looked at something on the television or the internet that I wasn't supposed to look at, my heart be so grieved and heavy and convicted and I got to come up and preach on Sunday you lay on your face before the Lord and you repent in every way you know how to repent you ask him to scrub your your soul clean if being a sinner disqualified me then I am disqualified 
But there is a difference between those of us who stumble or choose to sin. There's a difference in that and those ones that choose to sin repent and turn from it and cut themselves off from it. There's a difference in those and the people that says, not only did I do it, God's okay with it. And that's what's in the church. You address their sin. The Bible said it's like taking a cub from a mama bear than to call a fool out in his folly. I have got all the responses from you're a judgmental Pharisee to this and that and you couldn't even keep your own home and all of the above. But you need to know in the church for your sake, God has not called you to fix nobody. He's called you to let your light shine bright in meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I'll say it one more time. If we walk in darkness, we lie about our relationship with God and we do not know the truth. That means deceived. The deceived are easy to spot. They use their religion as a disguise, cloaking their true selves. They are religious, yet rebellious. They speak of freedom, yet they're bound. They speak of power, yet remain powerless. They speak of loving God, but openly love the world. They sing about honoring God, yet their life dishonors him. They cloak themselves in the verse, judge not, yet omit the verse that says, judge yourselves. They talk heavily about God being a loving God and never mention him being a righteous one. They speak of grace and they live unforgiven. They will be the ones to which Jesus will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. And if you and I think that we're above being in that group of people, then we need to ask God to soften our heart so that we can be tender again and work out our salvation in fear and trembling. The iniquity is not what keeps them from God in its purest form. Of course, God turns his back on iniquity. It's, it's the heart that produced the iniquity, the heart that justifies it. That's why we, we come before the Lord and we ask him to keep our heart. And he tells us, guard your heart, for out of it are all the issues of life. And there's someone today, you just, I just, with this subject, you have to be there. You're, if you call it what it is, then you got to change. You got to stop. You got to turn. And you can paint God's brush all on it you want, but God is not changing. His standard is true. And his power is strong. He frees us. He cleanses us from all sin. We know they're deceived because of their ungodly influence in the lives of other people. They're deceived by their unsettledness, their mixture and fruitless pursuits, ever learning and not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always their religion has something to do with some new thing they're studying instead of a changed life. Listen to me. Christ saves us from our sins. From, from, he calls us out. In this room, there are people from all walks of life and all types of sin and failure. You would be shocked at the weirdos in this house. Pastor being, you would be shocked at the perversion he saved me from. You would be shocked at the lewdness and the drunkenness. And he didn't just forgive me. He gave me power to become a son of God, albeit an immature one. 
And in some ways I didn't do it, but I walked out of that old lifestyle. No help, no props, no community of people clapping. I saw that when Christ died, I died with him. And when he got up, I got up with him. And the changed life is the proof of new birth, not words. I believe, Brother John, you can't tell me I don't believe. I didn't say it. You didn't believe. The devil believes. The devil would look right at Jesus and go, that's the son of God. So the devil's on the interview. He's sitting in the chair. So Lucifer, this isn't in my notes, by the way. So Lucifer, do you believe that he's the son of God? Yes. Did you know what you were doing when you killed him? No. What did he, did he take his blood into the heavenly tabernacle and atone for all of man's sin? Yes. Did he give them the power, the power to walk out of any old bondage? Yes, but don't let them know that. Because I've deceived them into thinking that unrighteousness is righteousness and bondage is freedom. I am changed. I'm not all I want to be, but I'm not who I was. A change, a change has come over me. We know they're deceived by who they follow. Just give me a few more minutes this morning. This is very important. Look at 2 Timothy 2.8. Or 3.8, I'm sorry, in our text. Are you there? Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, which means entirely spoiled, depraved, reprobate, which means unapproved, rejected, worthless concerning the faith. They're reprobate concerning the faith. Most historians agree that Janus and Jambres were two of the magicians in Pharaoh's court when Moses came to get the children of Israel and take them out of Egypt and Moses threw his rod down and they threw their rod down, you remember? And Moses' rod, that serpent, they both turned to serpent and Moses' serpent ate his serpent. Wouldn't you have loved to seen that on video? Okay. But then Moses turned the river into blood, the water into blood and what did they do? They turned the water into blood and he imitated God. Janice and Jambres imitated God. Now, I love you, and I'm warning you, especially through media, there are a lot of teachers and preachers that can show you powerful results. And when God puts these two in this context, how do you know the difference? He says, the end is obvious. It's they didn't escape judgment. They could do some of the things God could do and these people name God and they have power and everything else. But when judgment comes, they're part of the judgment. That's why we must be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. You need to know your word. You need to know your Bible for yourself. And when they stray from the Bible, you close your Bible, you get up and leave. I can tell your heart by who you follow. And if you choose, if your favorite minister, whatever, always talking about making you wealthy, I know where your heart is. And I'm not telling you who to listen to. I'm not telling you what books to buy. I'm telling you this. 
When you sit under a ministry or you read an author, if it makes you love Jesus more, you want Jesus more, you're more committed to Jesus, he's of the right spirit. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost and you can't tell me I don't feel him. Let me tell you what the Bible said about the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will not speak about himself. He won't bring attention to himself or the power or the gifts. He'll point you to Christ, point you to Christ. And an anointed ministry doesn't point you to what God can do for you Although they can teach what will do that. They point you to Christ. Christ is the beginning, the middle, and the end of all things for the believer. But Timothy, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Ben, if you'd come please this morning. I've never thought of this before. I've never read it. I've not heard it in a sermon. But I felt like the Holy Spirit revealed something to me, and I want to share it to you. This is the first generation that can heap teachers. Okay, anybody here before internet besides me? Dewey Decimal System, microfilm. How did you heap teachers and preachers to yourself? You could drive to Adele or Cordell. Pretty much your church was about it, you know, and you could catch somebody on Sunday morning, but that means you didn't go to your church, right? So... Did God word this in here for us in the sense of in the last days? I can go online now and select 30 preachers that'll tell me just what I want to hear. You should not be looking for a man that beats you up. You should not be looking for a minister that everything he says is judgment and condemnation. You should not be looking for one that uh, promises you the moon and the stars and all the other. You should listen to heat to yourselves. Look, he said, if they preach the word of God, three to one, doctrine, your belief system, reproof, rebuke, correction, instruction in righteousness, and exhort and encourage. And see, that's why Last week, after two real heavy sermons, I encouraged you and I wanted to tell you, man, you can be immovable. God's got you. Come on, be be strong. But the word of God is sharp. And that's why I can't swing it at you and just hack you to pieces with it. But it's pure and it's holy. And it cuts to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. Spirit meaning connecting with God. Soul, which means I connect with this world. Cuts it right in half through the joints and marrow to the truest part of who I am. And like Pastor Kwan said, when I'm standing in that light, I not only see where I am and where I'm going, I see who I am. And that reflection causes me to kneel. I worry for you when you heap to yourself preachers that don't ever make you want to kneel. And say, that's me, O Lord. Forgive me, O God. Oh, God, that's me. That's me. Self-love, self-exaltation, and self-deception. If we knew we were deceived, we wouldn't be deceived. But God can open our eyes. You can have an aha moment. And the prodigal looked at himself and said, my father's servants have bread enough to spare and here I am dying with hunger. I will arise. I will get up and go to my father's house and tell him that I've sinned. And he, he just sees. 
And I'm praying for you and for me. And in this last hour, we won't be tricked by a seducer. Even the devil can appear as an angel of light. Signs and wonders. Yeah, but do you point me to Jesus? And we're the fastest growing church. But do you point me to Jesus? Y'all bought a sports town. Irrelevant. Are you being pointed to Jesus? His Holy Spirit pushes you towards Him. Time will come, John. They're not going to want to listen to the truth. They'll oppose those who speak the truth. They'll find those that will say to them what they want to hear. Wheat and tares. Wheat and tares. They look the same until time passes. They look the same. Jesus said, don't pull it up. Don't go telling people you're not right and I'm judging your heart. Leave them alone. John, preach the truth. Preach the truth. I'm not going to come change you or tell you you need to change. I'm going to preach the truth. And wheat and tares look alike till the very end. One of them stiffens. Tears. I will not bow or kneel. And the wheat gets soft and tender and kneels. One is light and it turns golden. The other tends to darkness. One is poisonous to eat and one nourishes. And in the last days, perilous times happen in the church. Wheat and tares grow together and nobody even knows the difference. And I want to close with this. There are times in my ministry and life I was close to crossing over. You justify one sin, one attitude, one behavior. You make excuse and go, well, I, I don't care. There's a part of your soul that dies. It's like it gets dark and it gets dark and before long you can't see and you're living your Christian life out of memory instead of the moment. Well, John, that was just about the heaviest and most depressing sermon I've ever heard in my life. Now, the good news, I'm glad you waited for it. It's going to happen. It is happening. But even if they don't ever change, we can. Even if they change the truth of God into a lie, we don't have to. I'm not your judge. I'm worried about me. And in this last hour, I want you to know you, inspect you. When's the last time you prayed? Search me, O Lord. And see if there is any wicked way in me. It's the fastest answer to prayer you'll ever receive. He'll say, you know exactly what it is. And this and this. And if we repent, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm on the journey with you. The lips of the archangel are at the trumpet. The coming of the Lord is nigh. I don't want to be mixed up between the two sides. I'm separating myself from this world. Consecrating myself unto God. Looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for the new world order. It's coming, but I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for the one world economic system. I'm looking to Jesus. He's coming for us. 
Are you ready? Are you, are you without? Can you say with integrity? As far as I can tell, there's nothing between me and the Lord. Can you say that? If you've been with me long enough to know, you know I'm not going to hype you. If you can't say that, I want you to put an assault to your pride and immediately get up and walk and kneel. No one's going to pray for you and repent. That's it. An invitation to repent. If there's something between you and God, I publicly walked away. I'm, I repent. I want you to come find a place and kneel here. We're going to pray and then we're going to pray one another and go home. If that's you, come find a place. that no one looking around and I want to say this in the softest voice I know how so you don't think I'm trying to work you I felt in my spirit the words you stiffen your neck when I speak to you whoever those people are you need to humble yourself before the Lord not me you don't owe me nothing If that's you, I invite you to come. The Lord spoke to you and you just stiffen your neck. People praying all over this building. Great grace is upon you today. Great grace is upon you. While people are still praying, would you stand with me here in this congregation?
those people that are on our worship team that sing, you don't need a mic or anything. I want you to just come up. Don't worry. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but just come stand on the stage here. Those that are on the worship team, the vocalists, come up We're going to close in a song of worship, and you're just going to sing without a mic. We're going to have you here on the stage and lead us in just a moment. I want everybody looking this way while they get ready. And guys, we'll sing that song in just a moment. When you hear a heavy message like this, listen, look, look. Then I get to say, okay, it's done. It's done. That's not the bread of all the time. There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after their flesh, but after the spirit. No judgment, no fear of of coming judgment because we've repented. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, has cleansed us from all sin. That's the beauty of it. Glory to God. Forgiven. No condemnation. See, we have to know we're guilty before we repent. And we have to repent before there's grace. And we have to have grace before we enter into that joy. Now, y'all ready to, from a place of cleanness, sing this one song, one of my favorite songs anyway, because it's all about the Lord. It's not about us. We're going to play it on CD, and y'all just let your countenance, just, you don't have, y'all look so uniform. Look at you. You can spread out, stay together, but I want it to be, okay, you talk about this all the time, okay? As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to spread out. Audience of one, I want you not even see them. Lauren, however it is, free, okay? Beth, free. And I want us to sing this song about worthy is the Lord. And I want us to love on him in holiness, which means forgiveness. So let's worship the Lord as we get ready to go home. Just one song unto him. Would you play that for us, guys? Is it cued? Ben, who has it?
flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Beating in honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Yeah, holy, holy, holy is the guys right before you go home Ben just keep playing for one moment I'd love to tack this on the end there's something very it's limited in scripture and it's not explained but it's one of the most precious things in the world the witness of the Holy Spirit witness that I'm good with him just the witness or like that was me when you were singing the witness I heard that may the Lord bless and keep you may he cause his face to shine upon you may your lives be void of any deception may Christ be the center the beginning and the end of all things for you may you set your affection on things above not of this earth May you walk in the light as he is in the light. And may the blood of his son cleanse you from all sin. 
God, we love you today. We thank you for the correction of your word. You bring us so much comfort with it, but you also correct us. And thank you for the witness of the Holy Spirit that there's nothing between you and us. Don't ever take your Holy Spirit from us, Lord. Don't ever stop convicting us or realigning us according to your will and pattern. And Lord, if we last another week and you haven't come back, we look forward to being in this house Wednesday and Sunday to learn of you and to sing to you and to give ourselves to you, O Lord. Bless every family here, man, woman, child. Keep us sober, Lord. Keep us awake, ready for the coming of your son draweth nigh. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.